Okay, welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in ed Education, uh, brought to you by eSchool News. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm editor-at-large for eSchool News. I'm glad you found this podcast. Very excited today to have uh, Matt Joseph uh, along to, to have some discussions about the latest and greatest and what his work is doing during this pandemic. Uh, Dr. Joseph is currently the Director of Curriculum, Instruction, and Assessment in Lace Leicester Public Schools. Am I pronouncing that right? Okay, and that's in Massachusetts. Uh, he has been a school and district leader in many capacities in public education over his 25 years in the field. Experience, experiences such as Director of Digital Learning and Innovation at Milford Public Schools in Massachusetts, an elementary school principal in Natick, and in Battleboro, Massachusetts. You've been all over the state, Matt. Uh, I have been. been. Yeah, you've been a classroom teacher, district uh, professional development specialist. All these experiences have provided Matt with insights on how to best support teaching and learning. These sorts of experiences has led to national publishing uh, articles and opportunities to speak at multiple state and national events. Matt, uh, you've always were an inspiration in your talks with me when we would be at Tech and Learning Leadership Summits and Tech well, and Learning thanks. Lives, right? Yeah, it was uh, a blast. I learned and, a lot and met a lot of great people for sure. And you are the co-author of Modern Mentoring, uh, Reimagining Teacher Mem uh, Mentorship. So that's a lot of stuff. That those that's are, a lot uh, of stuff. I was just waiting, like, wow. <laughs> and that's a lot of years. Now, let me ask you, in all of those years and looking about education strategies and integrating technology into education, did a pandemic ever necessarily kind of fall into the context of what you'd prepare for? No. And when I was vision planning and saying, all right, this is what I want to do in a year, in three years, five years, a pandemic and learning from home was never one of the steps in that <laughs> never, pathway. It's it funny. No, no one ever seems to have picked up on that, except Dr. Fauci. I guess he's Fauci and one, Gates, yeah. I think, yeah. were ready, right. but that's it. <laughs> right. So I guess we should start off. I'm, I'm so sick of talking about it, but obviously... It's something that is still uh, with us here and that we're dealing with, although the light seems to be at the end of the tunnel. Um, talk a little bit about how the pandemic has changed not only your work individually, but where you see it affecting education in, in, in general. Yeah, and it's, it's a hard thing to say there's a lot of silver linings because it, it makes it seem like it was a good thing that it happens. And I, and I want to focus on some of the positive things, like you said. We're, we're tired of talking about it because it is a lot, but there were some things that are coming out of this that are a real benefit to our profession. So I am a public school educator. I have been my whole career. I'm currently a district administrator as the director of curriculum instruction. So I am rooted in the public schools. And one of the things that it, I have seen coming out of this is the grit and resiliency for teachers has gone up exponentially. Because a lot of times, and as you said, we met at some national events, which was fabulous. I go and I learn some things and learn, meet some great people and get these strategies, come back to my district and say, let's try these. And it's like, oh, well, not right now. Or, oh, it's one more thing. And I'm not, I'm saying that as an umbrella statement for that, you know, teachers obviously would try some things, but there was always that hesitation. Well, when the world stops and you have to teach from home, there's no, we don't have time for this. It's a, please help me. And, you know, I, I said last year was almost like emergency education, not remote education. It was like, oh crap, we need to get these things done. So learning Jamboard, learning how to use Zoom, learning how to use breakout rooms, it wasn't an option now. It wasn't an extra. 
So one of the things I've seen with this pandemic and, and crisis is that teachers' willingness to try things and, and opening up their repertoire of toolboxes was, is, has really opened up. We all became first-year teachers in March at some point last year. So the willingness to try some things went, went way up. The other thing I think that has come from this is the vulnerability, meaning teachers are on camera. I mean, for whatever, wherever, whatever community you live in at some point, at least for three months last year and anywhere from a few months this year to the entire year, you've been teaching, talking to a computer screen. So your vulnerability, your willingness to take a risk, your willingness to turn over the onus of control of learning has had to adapt. And again, I'm not saying this in a, I'm glad this happened sense because nobody would sign up for this. Nope. Nobody. Let's be nope. very clear about that. But there are some instructional things that have been happening that have been good that you and I have talked about five years ago about using 3D you know, technology, using you know, all sorts of different techniques where it was nice to have. Now it became a must have. And, and the challenge now for leaders and, and school leaders is to make sure we retain that because as you said, we're coming, we're coming out of it. And here in Massachusetts, all elementary school students had to return on April 5th. In many districts like mine, we all came back on April 5th because it was just a smoother transition. And our, our big challenge is to still use those technologies even when the kids are in front of you. Google Classroom was not invented March 1st last year. It's been, it's been around. Jamboard is not new. It's just new for, for, for you using it. As you said, Microsoft Teams or Flipgrid just did not start. These things have been in place. And how do we now maximize this new learning and not say that was great for the pandemic, but now that the kids are in front of me, I'm going to talk at them for 42 minutes. I got them back. Thank goodness my podium's in my classroom. Here we go. And so the challenge and the positives are the exact same right now. How do we keep this momentum, but also support teachers? Right. So almost in that same perverse sense, um, the, the really great news of how quickly the vaccines came around, right? I mean, in the summertime, they were talking about two or three year horizons before we need Right. And so people really seem to be entrenching in the idea, like, this is the way we're going to live for a while. Vaccines arrive, we're in that mix. And now I hear more and more about the new normal or going back to normal starting with the fall. Um, and it's almost one of these things where I start to think it's like fr from the context of what you're talking about, that, that, that almost that guilt you feel about finally we're using these tools that we're talking about. Uh, do you see any uh, example of maybe we're almost because in the best case scenario, we're going to go back so quickly that people will just take those tools and, and, and shove them aside and we'll go back to uh, that's the way we've always done it? I think there's, unfortunately, yes. I think because, you know, I, I was a teacher and then I was a principal and I was a district leader. What we crave in this profession is that human connection, that talking to kids, that, that dialogue. So, and it's been missed for so long that when the kids come back, we have to ensure that teachers don't just say, this is so great to have you back. Let's just talk. I want to talk at you. You talk at me. And the flip side, let's make sure that they're not just doing pandemic learning in the classroom. 
Mm-hmm. So like to find that balance, and that's been the, the challenge we've done, you know, here in, in Leicester, my last two PD days, I've tried to model a more of a balanced approach, like still use some of these, but yet you still have to have a dialogue. So I, I do think there's going to be some piece of this that's let's, oh, phew, that's done. Let me, let me go back to my, you know, paper and pencil, Venn diagram, whatever it is. So I do see that, but some of the teachers really have seen some of the excitement. And what really is the shift is that students saw. Students saw, oh, I can record myself on Flipgrid and then another student can give me feedback. Why are we not doing that? So yeah. what really, you know, what I'm advocating for is student agency, that they start advocating for themselves of like, this is a great test, but can we create something in iMovie instead? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the next kind of, Know, iteration of where we go with our, you know, summative formative assessments and, and just more work creation that students are creating it and not just consuming information in the classroom. Right. Another example, I think of the, the, the power of the synchronous <coughs> communication. Uh, some of your colleagues I've spoken to, uh, Jenneth out, out in California was one of the first interviews I did where she said, you know, that was one of the best school board meetings. It was a crisis meeting. Uh, and obviously no one could be together in person, but, you know, it turned into a giant Brady Bunch Zoom, Zoom call. But there was actually a lot that was accomplished, maybe not only because of the urgency of the situation, but what there's a, there's a forced intimacy and all, maybe also a removal of a power dynamic when you're in this sort of setup where people actually just kind of get their work done and not, fall into the usual behaviors you'd find it to say at a school a school board meeting or a, a faculty meeting or I know for me a parent teacher meetings this way have been much more effective than they ever were in person right I mean is that something that you've recognized yeah there's an efficiency piece in this and I think I think two things one uh, it goes to the fact that this is new and not as comfortable for folks. So as you said, you go into a parent conference meeting, you sit, there's the the little chairs, depending on where you go and you sit for 15 minutes and you chit chat like, Hey, how's it going? When you log on, you know, that's what you're doing. And there's an efficiency to it with the school board meeting. Yes. That's happening in real time where you're an observer. And I'll say we've had more people attend our school board meetings in the last year we would average again, cause we have the little room and people would come, we'd set up like 15 chairs and half of them be empty. So you could space out. We have almost a hundred now log in and it's great for communication. It's great for transparency. It builds a community. Would we have liked it without a pandemic? Absolutely. However, this type of learning and technology has opened up the world in I can just say for school districts to allow families to participate in their kids' school in just a different way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that you are in the midst of or putting the finishing touches on a, on a book that it talks about the power of connectivity. Maybe talk about that, your own journey there. I assume that was begun before COVID, uh, but it's probably been accelerated because of it, right? Yeah. And and again, from our time when we met early, what I loved about those events were it would bring people from all over the country to a central location and we would learn from each other. And then we all would leave. And for some of us, we could connect on email or Facebook or different ways. But for the most part, it kind of lets three months go by and let's meet again. And it was great. 
And then when the pandemic hit, we had to get creative in the way we supported our teachers. So one of the things I said is I wanted to give it like an event feel because we have fun with that. I always enjoy going to FETC, ISTE, all these different events. So what we did, and I talked to the superintendent, she's like, this is great. Every week we did a one hour event. And, and, it, and if you really boil it down, it was an hour PD. Like, let's right. be real. It was one right. hour. Every week we're going to do a different theme. And I said, but that's, as, that's not as fun as to call it something. We called it the remote learning nugget. And what happened was, because I like to promote things to get people excited, folks from outside the district were like, do you mind if I watch? Because it was just me giving professional development. Um, to our staff. And I asked the superintendent, she said, that's fine. And people started from outside of our district joining our Friday PD. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And what happened is as people started to join, as we learned from these you know, connections that we have at, at in-person events, they started commenting in a positive way. Like, oh, I use this. I'm in a school in Texas. We don't have winter. We do it like this. We are outside. And then the school from, and it's like, wow, this is really great. And then a few people started to say, can I present on the t next week's topic? Because I'm one, it's just fun to do. And it started to become a thing where I could see these connections happening and just try to maximize them. And it kept up through the summer. We kept going. And I said, I want to put this, I want to capture this because I think this is the new kind of step in professional development that we can personalize it at Friday at 10 o'clock, we're going to be talking about maximizing Padlet for student voice. If you want to show up, show up. And it's that power of connections that everybody brings something to the table and we learn from it. So yeah, so through that process, I worked with Codebreaker, Brian Espinal, who's another one who likes to try things, who likes to do some great ideas and said, bring this all together. And that's what I did. It's 13 chapters of 13 different ideas of how to use connections to maximize your growth and to meet amazing folks like yourself. I chatted with Brett Shalakis from, from Australia. Granted, we have like a three hour window we can talk, but we learn from each other and it just goes through the different options for teachers to go to. You know, I, I write about how to use Voxer to connect with folks, how to use do book studies, how we're using YouTube, not just to watch videos, but to learn from it, you know, Hedrick Nichols does some great things on equity and it's live. So I can ask questions and, and Bobby French here in Massachusetts ran an ed camp and none of the people I've seen in a year. And I have made more growth. I went to Boston college for three years to get my PhD and I hope they don't totally listen, but the last <laughs> year I've made more growth from individualizing my professional learning through these online connections. So that's what the book is about is, it's my journey through it, but not like a, hey, let's read about Matt Joseph. It's, but you do it this way. Here's how it can happen if you put in the time and effort, and here's what you can get out of it. And my favorite part is we have about 70 people who add their voice to it, either as a quote or as an interview, because that's the power of it. That's the, I mean, you've seen it for years in the, in the capacity and you're down in New Jersey right now. I'm up here in Massachusetts and we're having a conversation and that's possible because of our connection. And the other piece about it is it's not just a following. What I mean by that is another piece I really want to stress for, for teachers. And, and this isn't selling the book. This is being, you know, trying to be real about it is that it doesn't matter if you have 10 followers or 14,000 followers, the power of the connection is how you're being impacted by the folks, how you're providing support and how you're receiving it. And that's critical because the, 
people that I choose to connect with and as part of my PLN support my growth. They're not just clapping with every tweet I put out or they're not just saying, man, you're so great. I don't want that because that doesn't make me better. And I don't want to do that for somebody else because if someone has a question, I want to give them an answer that's going to support them. And that's what that, that's what this project is about. Now, how does that dynamic that you're talking about? I mean, you're a very driven person. You're an innovative person. You've always been, you know, have been in innovative places. Uh, and uh, I kind of think about this when I, as a fly on the wall, when I would go to these events and listen to all the educators uh, that would be there, like you all have already drank the Kool-Aid when it comes to both the use of technology as well as uh, new innovative instructional techniques as, as well as professional development. How does that, and I, I have to be careful here about using the word viral, right? But how do things like spread, does these ideas spread into or scale into school districts around the country where we're talking about 15,000 school districts, the largest of which, I mean, Lisa Nielsen in New York City, I mean, that district right. is larger than most countries' entire national school districts. How, how do you take those ideas and, and have them spread and, and replicate uh, at scale that it could be effective to a, to a larger degree? Um, well, I think a few things. One, I think you have to just have leaders who are willing to try and are willing to understand that education is moving outside of the four walls of your, your school or outside of your zip code. That's one of the things I say all the time. We have to get outside of our zip code. So I think it starts with willing to take a risk and your leaders have to be comfortable with trying certain things that you don't know what the outcome is going to be that we had, you know, some, we had somebody, a friend, you know, a mutual friend, Carl Hooker do a presentation for us from Texas. And it was like, I don't know how this is going to be, but we did it. And the teachers are implementing his strategies into the high school. So I think the first step for it to, to scale is one, you have to have leaders willing to take a risk Two, you have to be willing to put in the time to try these things because they're not all going to work. And I call it the flood, the market where like, I'm going to try five things. And if one works, I'm not going to worry about the four that didn't. The one that works, I'm going to bring it to my teachers and say, here's how this happens. And I think the other piece for leaders is you have to be able to allow teachers some autonomy to try these two. That it's the same mentality. If there's three, if I come back from an event and there's four things I think that are impactful and the teachers try all four and one works, let's not worry the three that didn't work. And I think staying connected strategically again not just going online putting out gifts or, or, or doing some silly things that's not going to improve your growth there's a place for that and i get that i don't want to belittle that or but if you're really looking to scale like you said Right. You put it in and you're going to get ideas back. So I think it takes some time, dedication and um, the willingness to take a risk. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Talk a little bit about um, where you see the event space. I mean, you that, that's a, a big part of your work, uh, as, as we've mentioned, about uh, being at these in-person events. Um, 
do those go back to the new normal or are they going to continue to be a sort of hybrid situation? Uh, which would you prefer? What are the good parts that uh, we should keep and what are the, the ones that should, should go away forever? I'm, I'm thinking about yeah. long airport lines as being one of them, but I actually, <laughs> I actually and, miss them right now. I know, I know. Um, I'm a big events person and I love to go. I love to connect. And last June in the early stages of the pandemic, I actually went down with, with Carl to Texas to do a hybrid event. And it was awesome because, for a few reasons. One, we were there and we were safe. We, you know, they did a wonderful job. Matt Holly from the Lubbock Cooper School District did a wonderful job. And, but what else was possible is that selfishly, my teachers could watch and my friends could watch. My mom watched. And because they set it up as a hybrid event, there was about not a lot of people, but enough, say 200 people. And then there were smaller sessions, but there were 700 at the event. And it was really cool that the way it worked is that they had a moderator, of course. So I was one of the people that were on stage for one of the sessions and the people could ask questions. The moderator would ask me the question. I'd answer it for everybody. And it was a really fun way to do the professional side of it. Mm. Yes, the, the, the fun connections after that, having dinners and hanging out, that's going to take a little bit longer to, to come back. And I, and I miss that just as much. But the professional side of it, I think, is only going to flourish because one saves on airfare, it saves on hotels, it saves on days off. My superintendent has attended more events this year because I just get her a login code. Like, just, just watch. Like, and um, yes, I won't speak of the business side of the events and, and, and what they are going to have to do to stay afloat. But if we're looking at just the professional side, I think the learning opportunities are going to increase. Mm. Uh, what about in terms of national or sometimes even international versus regional? Do you think it would be more effective to maybe see more smaller regional sized events um, that where you could uh, bring folks? Yeah, I, I, and I think it, it, it brings a, a more connection together. We're like, we're doing something for Massachusetts for the MASCD because I'm part of that. And we put it out to Massachusetts educators and we got such a great response because of the flexibility. Mm. They didn't have to drive into certain places. So the participation from the speakers also increased because they're able to present in a hybrid model. So they could present from school. The other thing it has allowed us to do is involve students. Like you're not flying classes, rooms of students to California to present, you know, but you can go have classrooms present to adults during the school day. And I think that has opened up some other possibilities where we just, I'll just use, you know, I won't say what school district, but we just observed a school district in Massachusetts who, in my opinion, is the next step up for us. Like we're looking to get to. So we spent two days ob observing what they do from our, our own school. Yeah. And uh, it was just, it, it opens up the possibilities of learning. Let me ask you uh, a, a techie, a techie question. Sure. You see that the, um, there seems to be through E-rate and other federal programs, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for schools and districts, hopefully to upgrade uh, their infrastructure. What is on your wish list? Uh, you don't have to get specific on your E-rate uh, mm -hmm proposal but like what would be the best case scenario for you 
to be able to get all the kids wired in your district, both in your physical school buildings as well as the wider the wider community. Yeah, I think obviously looking at you know the access gap is is incredible, and yeah. I think looking at our town versus a town that's 30 minutes away, it's, it's not equitable. So I think first finding ways to give affordable internet service for home is, is a huge plus. And I think, you know, getting into the specifics of it is difficult, but if students have access at home, there, there's not gonna be a lear- as much of a learning loss or an access loss. Mm. I think the second thing is scaling down. What I mean by that is computers are great, Chromebooks are awesome get something in their hand, like a tablet or an iPad or whatever they use surface, because it's much more mobile. Mm. And kids are, students are more apt to do more discovery learning if they're at, if they're taking a hike and they're like, all right, I'm just gonna record myself taking a hike. Here's some of the trees we learned about, two and a half minute video and they upload it. It just makes it um, a little bit easier than the word processing and open up the Chromebook. Um, then the next thing is to get these devices having data. Because if we, if we give our students mobile tablets, we want to make sure that they can connect or just having hotspots around the town, having like our, you know, making sure the library is open, making sure the, the Dunkin' Donuts that we, we can help them out because that, wherever the kids congregate or students congregate, the more access they have and it becomes a, a norm, then it's not a, oh, well, we don't have this today or let's wait till Monday and we can do our work. Because we as adults do it, we have our phones, we connect, we use the GPS, we look up on Google, like that's the world our students are going into, but yet we want to shut it down a little bit. Right, right, right. Well, Matt, I knew that the, uh, the toughest part of this uh, entire interview would be to actually end it. Uh, we, we can go on, as you know. And <laughs> I know it. Usually in person, there might be a couple beers involved and it could go for, go for hours. It could go for a while. Yeah. Uh, but what I'd like to do is save that for uh, a further podcast that hopefully that I can do in person with you at one of these Can't events. Wait. And we can go back and look at this time and um, if we don't repress it <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and try to pull the best parts out of it and continue on. But in the meantime, uh, congratulations on, on, your, on your work. Thank you. Uh, and also thank you for your work because I think, you know, you, the – types of best practices that you're sharing are really helping all of our educators uh, get through this difficult time and then hopefully thrive out in the future. So I appreciate you and, and the time you're giving me here today. Awesome. Well, thanks. I look forward to connecting in person soon. For sure. Absolutely. And thanks everybody for watching.